Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. We hope this week's message encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning. Uh, For those of you who don't know, my name is Kyle Fox. I serve as the student pastor here, which means I have uh, the the distinct privilege of overseeing overseeing what happens really from uh, 7th grade all the way to uh, seniors in high school. And if you were here with us last week, uh, then you know that uh, Pastor John kicked off our series on helping families thrive. Uh, and so uh, he talked through relational conflict and how, how you kind of maneuver through that, and hopefully that was a, a great help to you. Uh, and so today, we're going to continue in that series, and I, I've been given, um, I, I think it's a privilege, uh, but it's no doubt a task, uh, the task of talking about parenting. And so uh, th- this has happened before, but, but John asked, you know, if I'd be willing to uh, share on this Sunday uh, and talk about parenting. And probably too quickly said yes, and then again began to realize, I, I ju- I'm not sure if the guy with the um, youngest kids on staff, uh, with the least amount of parenting experience, uh, we have uh, two, uh, Mason's almost three, Ada is one, and then we have one on the way, just not sure if I'm really uh, the guy to be giving out parenting tips. Uh, and so, uh, nonetheless, here I am, and here you are. And so uh, we'll, we'll be in this together. But it did get me thinking about what, what we're doing on a, a week-in and week-out basis. That, that when you hear from either John or Tyson or Wes or, or myself, um, we're not just giving tips. Like, we're, we're not simply giving uh, advice. Uh, it, it brings to mind that what we're doing is all centered around what ultimately God has said. And it's on his authority that we speak. And so at the end of the day, honestly, you've maybe heard the adage that says, you know, when I was uh, young, uh, I had six theories on parenting and no kids. And then I had six kids and no theories. Uh, And I can empathize with that sentiment. Uh, I feel like I'm learning quickly. I've only got, again, two and then one on the way. Uh, But nonetheless, what we're doing on a week-in and week-out basis is ultimately uh, submitting and giving ourselves to what God uh, instructs us. So if we stay close to his word, then we'll we'll be in good shape. So with that said, turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's in the uh, first part of your Bible. Um, And we'll be in verses 4 through 9. Now, uh, as you turn there, perhaps you're thinking, well, I'm not a parent. Maybe you're single or maybe you're a child. Well, you're in luck because I do have something for you at the end. Um, However, I think it's instructive for us that that when we come to the Sunday gathering, it's easy to think about what we're doing as like an ATM transaction uh, so that you come and you're hoping to get something so that you can take it away. But, but I hope that you might think of what we do on a Sunday morning as a savings account. So even if you're not a parent right now, that uh, you, there might be a time where you have the opportunity to encourage a parent or where you yourself may be a parent. And so 
Um, this morning, I, I really am hopeful to give us kind of a big view of parenting and what, what we're trying to accomplish as parents, specifically when it comes to uh, raising our children. And so I, I'm not going to go into uh, the practicalities of when, when do you transition them from two naps to one nap, or uh, when do you provide uh, your child with a phone, uh, or um, uh, do we do homeschooling? Do we do public school? Do we do private school? However, uh, let me just recommend a, a couple of resources for you that I think would be helpful. Uh, the first is a book written by J.C. Ryle. Uh, it's called The Duties of Parenting, okay? And so that, that doesn't sound very warm or gospel-centered. I promise you that it is. It's just because we, we are born into this time. It is a wonderful book that really kind of highlights um, the, the weighty responsibility of what it means to be a parent. The, the other is called the Family Discipleship Podcast. Uh, just a really faithful pastor uh, and dad and Adam Griffin kind of leading that conversation. I've had the opportunity to, to chat with him on a handful of occasions, and he just has a unique uh, heart for helping families really thrive and be all that God would intend them to be. But then the third thing uh, that I would say is our milestone classes that we offer as a church. Uh, Kimmy and Lindsay have just done an amazing job of really forming these classes. And it really, uh, the big heartbeat of this is that we want to come alongside you as parents to help equip you as you aim to uh, equip your student or your child to follow Jesus. And so uh, getting to see what they've done, I got excited, so jumped on board with that from 7th through 12th grade. So in the seats around you, you may see a little handout on milestone classes. You can scan the QR code um, if you want to learn more about that. So that would be for you as a parent or a grandparent if you are interested um, in, in learning how to better equip uh, your child to follow Jesus, where we do dive into more of those practicalities. So um, with that said, let, let me uh, encourage you to take 30 seconds um, and, and just uh, pray to the Lord on your own um, and, and have 30 seconds where you would just ask him to, to teach, um, to be taught whatever it is that he would want to teach you this morning. So, Lord, we do. We need your help this morning. And so we ask for it now. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Well, as I talk about parenting this morning, I really have two uh, big takeaways, two points, really, that, that I hope stick with you uh, this week, Bo both a challenge and a comfort. Uh, the challenge uh, for you is, is that you would see your role as a parent, that you would see that Christian parenting is discipleship, that you would see your role as discipling your child, and that you, in a unique way, have been entrusted by God with this weighty responsibility. And perhaps you've, I mean, school started for many of you this week, and so you're just in a, you know, in a tizzy of things of trying to figure out where I'm even at. Um, and, and so perhaps you've forgotten that this is your primary role. 
But I hope that that would be a challenge for you this morning, and that's where we'll spend the bulk of our time. But I also have a comfort, and it's that Christian parenting is dependent. That Christian parenting is dependent. So for those of you who uh, perhaps you feel crushed by parenting today, or, or you feel like you have failed as a parent, I, I want to um, remind you of the hope that we have and hopefully help, help you breathe a little bit um, because I honestly don't think that any of us as parents just feel like we're every day of the week just crushing parenting, like never made a mistake, we're just doing awesome. If you do feel that way, you probably need to send us an email so that you can do some type of seminar, uh, maybe in the next few weeks. So I'm not trying to over-romanticize this task of uh, Christian parenting as discipleship. Like as we in the Fox home are trying to do that, um, if, if Christian discipleship doesn't turn into, uh, honestly, family discipline, uh, then it's, it's a bit of a win in our home. And so uh, don't want to over-romanticize that. But in the midst of that, we have this great comfort that God has to do something in the lives of our children that only God can do. And so I, I'd like for you to consider this question. What is your goal with parenting? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And, and don't just read it on the screen. Actually think of an answer. What is your goal with parenting? Per perhaps your answers revolve around your children being successful. You want to see your child do well and succeed at life. Perhaps you want to see your child just be happy. Perhaps you just want to see your child not go to prison and you're just trying to survive. Uh, or perhaps, uh, and, and maybe you would never say this out loud, you, you want to see your child really kind of make you proud so that you can kind of vicariously live through them. What is your goal with Christian parenting? See, the reason I say Christian parenting is because we do. We have a distinct goal as Christian parents who have said, uh, who have had Jesus step into our lives and rescue us so that now our lives are about him and what he has done. And perhaps the answer to this question isn't actually that far off from the answer to why you exist in this world. And the answer to that would be ultimately to bring glory to God. And, and that's a big phrase, but what I mean by that is that with your life, that you would display the beauty, the worth, the value, the greatness of who God is and what God has done. But when it comes to parenting, I would say that this is our goal, to bring glory to God as we seek to raise godly children. As the proverb says, we are teaching our children in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. And that's just a wonderful, not, not promise, but a proverb. And it's wonderful because it's acknowledging, again, what our goal as Christian parents are, that we're helping instruct them in the way that they should go, not necessarily the way that they do and so that brings us up to speed into the book of Deuteronomy. And really, this book is the heartbeat of the Old Testament. It's a series of speeches given by Moses 
to the people of God as he aims to instruct them how to live in the world that God has created. And he knows that his time with them is coming to an end. These are his final words to them, to a people who he's loved, to a people who he has been frustrated at. These are the final things he has to tell them. But this is big for us because there's this big theme that runs throughout the book, namely that they are desperate as a people for God to do something for them and to them that only God can do, something that they cannot do in and of themselves. And the reason that's big for us is because I think that sums up parenting, that we need God to do something for our children and to our children that we cannot do in and of ourselves. And so within this book, Deuteronomy 6 finds itself in verses 4 through 9 is known as the Shema, which is, comes from the Hebrew word, uh, the first word of that verse, to hear, to listen. And this little five-verse passage is even within the book of Deuteronomy, kind of the mountaintop. It's the, the climax, the primary theological truth of who God is and how he's going to instruct his people. And what comes in this passage is, is so countercultural because you would almost anticipate him to say something to, to the nation, something maybe about their politics or about their economy. But what does he do? Where this massive truth starts is in the family. It's in the family. And so let's, let's read it together. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We won't get into this too much, but this is highlighting the, the uniqueness of who this uh, God of the Bible is of who this triune God, that in and of himself, there is no one who is like him. Verse five, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children, or, or perhaps your translation says, teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So, from this passage, we see that Christian parenting is discipleship. And really simply, uh, when I say a, a disciple, that, that simply means being a student or a learner, a follower of something. And so parents, uh, right now, your children, they are being discipled by something. They are perhaps being discipled by um, technology, by social media, perhaps by the culture in which they live. You can be a disciple of just about anything. But for our purposes, to be a disciple is to be a follower of Jesus. And so then discipleship is simply helping other follow Jesus. And so when it comes to our homes, we want to be parents who help our children and help each other follow Jesus. Now, here's why this is important. It's important because God's 
design, when it is submitted to, when we kind of gladheartedly buy into what he wants for us, then it results in our greatest flourishing. It results in our ultimate good and joy. And so this is God's good design for the family, that we would teach our children that we would love God and that we would teach our children to love God. Now, to reject that good design will ultimately result in our brokenness and in our destruction. And so I'm well aware that in a room this size, that there has been abuse, that there has been hurt, there have been dads who have left, there have been moms who have cheated. And to hear about parenting through the lens of a child in your mind, I mean, you'd rather put needles in your eyes. And yet, the brokenness that you've experienced, that we have experienced, is a result of this reality not being lived out. And the Bible has a word for that, and it's called sin. And God doesn't just excuse sin. And we see its effects on, our, on ourselves, on the people around us, and in the world around us. And yet, to remind you that we have a hope because God has done what only God can do in sending his son as the great rescuer and the great redeemer. And so when we buy into that good design, then we begin to live in a way that we're trying to recover the ideal, to recover what God would want for our lives. But did you catch in in verse five and six where discipleship begins? It, It actually doesn't begin with your children. It begins with you. And, and he doesn't start with the Ten Commandments or, hey, these are the list of rules that you need to do in order to then teach the next generation. He starts with love. And he says, to love me with all of your heart and your soul and your strength. Why? Because we are what we love. And we do the things that we love. And it is your love that will ultimately motivate your actions. Like, we know this, right? If you've ever done a diet for any period of time, you know this to be true. Like, the reason that you call it a diet is because we know, eventually, chocolate chip cookies are winning out. Like, this isn't going to last. And eventually, what we love and want most will result in what we eat. And so we can't first talk about uh, parenting without first talking about you cultivating your love for God. And why that matters is that if you, if you don't start with a love for God, then um, to, to revisit the, the reasons, the goals of parenting in your mind, if you don't start with love for God, then when your child isn't successful, if love isn't what has motivated you, then you'll be frustrated at them because your goal for them was success. Or or when your child breaks the rules, as they will, if love isn't what motivates you, then you'll parent out of fear 
Because anytime they break the rules, then you've kind of got to tighten the reins and, and restrict curfew or whatever it might be. And I'm all for restricting curfew. That's fine. But you see, you see why this is a big deal and why God starts with love. But even more so, even right now, you actually are discipling your children into something. And so, so can I just lovingly challenge us here? So, so, so dads... We're told to not provoke our children to anger, and one of the ways we can do that is by being either overbearing or by being passive. And as we are either flying off the handle, then we are modeling something for our sons, for our daughters, um, that teaches them that this is an okay way to act. Moms, if you're constantly complaining about parenting, about your child, then, then that's discipling them into seeing motherhood not as a gift from God, but as a burden. And, and parents together, that, like when we're sitting around the dinner tables and everybody's just on their phones, that's discipling them into something. But the good news is that if we are growing in our love and affection for Jesus, that too is discipling them into something into something wonderful. And so do you see then, uh, out of the overflow of your own love for God, the passage continues in verses seven and eight. <clears throat> to teach them diligently to your children, to impress them upon your children. And, and usually our English translations, they do a really good job of bringing out what, what the original text says. Uh, but in Deuteronomy six, verse seven, uh, indulge me for a second here, okay? I, I never was a big English guy, but this is important. The, the pronoun that's used here is actually a singular masculine pronoun. And, and the reason why I want to emphasize that is because there's an emphasis on you, dad, having primary uh, discipleship in your home, specifically when it comes to the spiritual instruction of your children. And, and I, I want you to feel the weightiness of that responsibility. And it's no doubt a difficult responsibility, but like what, what better mission and what better aim could we have for our lives? For, for those of you who dad may have left or, or dad, dad may have uh, died, am I, am I saying that you're doomed? No, not at all. Because if you believe in Jesus, you can know everything about what a dad is supposed to be because Jesus brings you into relationship with the Father. And all the way long, he will teach you how to be his son or daughters. And, and single moms or, or just moms in general, um, to, to not forget that it's actually in the New Testament, it's Timothy who's instructed in the ways of God by his mom and his grandma, more than likely because dad wasn't around. So lest you think that your role isn't equally as valuable. Now, if, if we're being honest, when, when we read that passage, uh, if you're like me, okay, so I need to teach them diligently to my children. We've got a pretty full week ahead. And you've probably got practice on Monday, and then you've got these responsibilities on Tuesdays. When am I supposed to teach my children the doctrine of God? 
Like, when's that happening this week? But what's amazing, it's like God knows the world that we live in because look at where he goes next. Like, you can actually do this. Talk about these things when you sit at home. Okay, so quick raise of hand. Anybody sit at home? No, actually raise your hands. Okay, so that's everyone. Good. Uh, let's, let's keep going. This is, this is going to get more and more encouraging. When you walk along the road, okay, so perhaps you walk. Anybody drive somewhere? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Very good. When you lie down, when you wake up, It's amazing. In the ordinary moments of our lives is when profound discipleship, teaching them about who God is and what God has done can happen. And so in verse 8, um, to tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, uh, the, the first century Pharisees, this, this was an adventure in kind of missing the point. What they would do is they took a box and literally bound it to their forehead and put this little passage in that box on their forehead so they walk around with a box on their foreheads. I, I don't think we need to do that. I think that's a, a good illustration of how, uh, what this text is not saying. But rather that what the scripture is saying here is that... <clears throat> Um, the symbolic language of having God's truth dictate what you do and how you see the world so that you're seeing the world through the lens of loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind. And that's what you're teaching your children, how to grow in their love for Jesus. Okay, so here, here's where this gets pretty, pretty practical. There are, I would say, three uh, foundational elements to your discipleship with your children. And, and um, uh, very simple here. And with, certainly there's more that we could say, but without these three things, then, then I don't think we can do all that God would intend and have for us to do. And the three things are this, the Bible, prayer, and church. And what's amazing about that is that in our own relationships with God, when, when you start to feel distant from him, oftentimes, not all the times, oftentimes, we can trace it back to one of these three things lacking. And so in the Bible, we, we hear God's words to us. And we will be quick as parents to repent and to turn and to apologize for the ways that we fall short as we remind our children how much dad and mom need God's grace and God's uh, salvation in our lives. As we pray as a family, we, we ask for his wisdom and his uh, mercy to help us live in his world. And as we gather with other believers, um, why, why this matters is that week in and week out, we are refocusing on what matters most. But you could even get beyond that, and more and more uh, like studies are, are showing that in order like, for your child to grow and to really even thrive within the church, that they will benefit by having other adults in their lives. And that's one of the things that I love about this church is how often we do this because 
yes, while Moses may be speaking primarily to parents, he's actually implying that we all, in some sense, we are responsible for the faith and the future of the next generation. And so singles, um, this is why this is a big deal for, for you. Because at times, we can convey that you are somehow missing out on the good life. But, but Jesus, as a single man, was the most satisfied person on the planet. And I love how honest the Bible is about the gift of marriage, but also the gift of singleness. And the reason is because we, you can be really wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. And so singles, you can uh, be involved in the discipling of children in a very profound way. Perhaps that's through serving in our kids' ministries. And you can see uh, Kimmy or Lindsay, I'm sure they'd willingly receive you uh, if you're interested in that. But even more so, uh, this happens almost every week uh, for for Mason. So uh, back in the high school room most of the times, and when we finish up, Mason comes back there, and then almost every single week, there's three or four students who will ask Mason, hey, buddy, what, what did you learn today in Sunday school class? And, I mean, some of the answers that come out of his mouth are incredible. Uh, one of my favorites was when he said that Jesus had a baby. And I was like, okay, I th- we probably missed something there, but it's fine. Like, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Um, but what they're doing is they are another voice that are not mom and dad who are helping point them to Jesus. You have an invaluable place in the formation and discipleship of the next generation. And parents, part of your discipleship is speaking the gospel over and over to your children. Because if you're, if you're aiming to, to really see the, the marks of a Christian lived out and the, those values upheld, um, when your child falls short, we, we've really got to be sure the hope of Jesus is made clear. Otherwise, they're going to be prone to discouragement and, and despondency. And I, I really debated on if I was going to share this, but um, I will. Uh, back in uh, the spring, one of the things I like to do is have the students fill out note cards of ways I can be praying for them. But I also ask them, hey, if, if you could tell mom and dad anything, what would you tell them? If you could tell them anything, what would you tell them? And I had about 110 or so 7th to 12th grade note cards. And I, I'm not kidding, like 55 almost of them involved something that sounded like, if I could tell mom and dad anything, it would be that I, I wish they knew I was trying my hardest. I wish they knew I was doing the best that I could. I'm not saying lower the standards. I'm just saying we've got to be sure that the hope of Jesus is also simultaneously on display. Which brings us to, and I'll be wrapping up quickly, Christian parenting is dependent. Friends, this is our comfort. Because again, within the context of Deuteronomy, there is this need for God to do something for the people and to the people that they cannot do in themselves. And so parents, if you are discouraged, remember, you do not, with your parenting, have the power to save your children. 
the power to save is not in your hands. And so what, what this does is it almost levels the playing field because if your child turns out loving God and pursuing him, what a gift that is because we know that it's only God who can change hearts and lives. But also, one of the things that I've seen and that many of you have experienced is you've tried to do all these things and your child isn't following the Lord. But you cannot control them and Christian parenting is dependent on the Spirit of God to do something in that. No parent has been a completely perfect parent or a sinless parent. Actually, even the, the, perf- the only perfect parent, God the Father, has rebellious children himself. And so, you should not carry um, undue burden or guilt greater than you should or, or can carry. And so we want to do all that we can to disciple, to teach, to train our children. But in the midst of that, we're dependent on God because ultimately he will do what is best. And I was trying to think of some illustration to really kind of solidify this. And I I couldn't help but think of Jesus' first miracle where he turns water into wine. And he's at a wedding and and they've uh, run out of of wine and... um, what, what he does is he instructs his disciples to simply bring the water jars to him. And so parents, we're aiming to fill the water jars with, with Bible and with prayer and with church in the lives of our kids. But at the end of the day, we can't cause the change to happen. We need Jesus to create something with them that we could not. So if you do, if you feel particularly Discourage. I'd love for you to consider these two questions. Do your children know that you love God? And do your children know that you love them? And if you say yes to those two questions, you're doing a good job. And keep going. Like, I, as I think about our, my own children. Like, I want to spend time with them. I want to teach them the Bible. I want to pray with them. I want to cry with them. I want to laugh with them. I want to discipline them when they disobey. I want to say sorry when I messed up. I want to love them like crazy. And I'm quite all right if they look back 25 years from now and go, man, I don't know if mom and dad had a clue what they were doing. But what I knew was that mom and dad loved me and that they loved Jesus. If you're a child in the room, just let me see your eyes. It's amazing that the Bible talks to you. And it really gives you one primary job. And it's to honor and to obey your parents. And I know that that is not easy. And yet, we should be thankful (laughs) that you really only have one job to do to defer to their wisdom and to their instruction. And what the Bible is going to say is that one of the primary markers in your life of a genuine relationship with God is your general pattern of obedience to your parents. Not perfect obedience, but a general pattern of obedience. And so the task of Christian parenting is both incredible and it can feel impossible. It's incredible because you are shaping your child in a way like no one else can. But that 
feeling of being impossible should lead us to a greater dependency on God. And parents, if you've not been doing any of these things, it's not too late to start. You have not ruined anything beyond God's redemptive work. He loves to take messes and show off his glory and grace. And so simply put one foot in front of the other and read a verse with them on the way to school this week. Pray with them before they fall asleep. You will be inconsistent and you will fall short. And in that, you will be able to put on display that mom and dad need Jesus too. And all the while, you point them to the only one who can satisfy and who will never fail them. And for all of us, our hope is that if we've trusted in him, he will be the perfect father to us. We will be with him forever and he will be all that we've ever wanted or needed. So let's pray. God, we, we feel the weight of this task. Just pray this week that, that we would do, um, that, that we would live out this truth and that we would see as parents our role as disciple makers in the lives of our children. But Lord, also, that you would remind us and comfort us that the power to save is not in our hands, that we cannot control our children, Lord, that we need you to do something that only you can do. And so, Lord, to that end, we ask for your help and for your grace. It's in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.